0: I don't understand it. And it doesn't make any sense to me that a principle can get stale, can have an exploration mm-hmm. date. A principle. Yeah. Stories work like this. Well, sure, that worked a thousand years ago, and 500 years ago, and 50 years ago, and 25 yeah. years ago. But does it work now? Like, well, I don't understand what you're saying to me, right? It's a principle.
1: Hello, and welcome to You Are a Storyteller. In this episode, Brian and Jesse discuss why old films are still so powerful and what contemporary creators can learn from them. This program is produced in Seattle, Washington by Belief Agency. This week's episode might feel a little bit different. And it feels a little bit different, perhaps, because in essence, we're going to be answering what feels to me like the number one question that you get when you teach, We're not going to mention the places that you've taught and all that kind of stuff, because this isn't about any of those institutions or studios or whatever. But it's more about there is one question you get more often than not. um, What is that question that people ask you after you're done teaching?
0: I use uh, lots of clips from classic movies. Um, You know, it's easier to use movies when I'm teaching a class. I could use books or it's easier to use movies. and, uh, And that's my training. And, you know, it just makes sense. Uh, But I, but I show a lot of classic clips and one of the comments that often comes back is um, why don't I use newer movies? Why don't I show newer examples? Uh, People want new, new, new. And, um, uh, and personally, the question I get is what would have you liked lately? Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't understand these concerns. And so, um, because it, it, What it says to me is like, are you are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if you think newness has anything to do with it, then there's a there's a disconnect about what I'm talking about.
1: Like, do you think that what they're what they're actually saying is they believe that if it's new, it'll be better. Like, what do you think that like because you're showing I know the clips you show. You're showing clips from the greatest films of all time. Wizard of all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. only the top of the top. You're showing the best of the best. Right. right, it's like if we were architects. You were talking, you were showing the Great Pyramids, the Hagia Sophia, the Temple to Artemis. You're taking them through and explaining the architecture of what brought us to com- like now, right? Right. But what do you think they're missing when they ask that question of Why can't you show something from 2021? Why do you show stuff from 1956? What do you think they're actually after there? And what's the lesson for us as the listeners?
0: I think they think they can relate more. Um. Also, I, I want to talk about recent. Do you have anything recent? Recent always depends on the age you happen to be. Mm. If you're 20, recent probably means within the last couple of years. If you're 40, recent right. might be the last 10 or 15. It's so true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. When you
1: talk about a movie from the 90s, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, was it that long ago? Yeah, but I'm also 40, so...
0: Right. Exactly. Right. So, so because time sort of, um, it telescopes as you get older. So things that would have seemed far away when you were young seem very close. And so you're like, that was 10 years ago. Really? Like, you know, you know, that's just what happens. And so recent is a moving target. Right. So if I was trying to be recent or current, I would have to always have a new thing from that year because that's the most recent right next well maybe two or three years but if i don't find a good example of the things i'm teaching i don't know why i'm obligated to use something new to teach a principle it doesn't make sense to me
1: i feel like the underlying assumption there is that new is better yeah and and i'm going to just give you some stats okay and i'm not i don't want to get into a debate about this these are just some stats all right oscar ratings uh, from in 2014, 43.7 million people watched the Oscar. 43.7 million. In 2020, that got cut in half. Mm-hmm. So, so between 2014 and 2020, it went from 43.7 million down to 23.6. Mm-hmm. Do you know the Oscars were, you know, I mean, people will see this in the future, but the Oscars weren't long ago for, you know, they were last week or whatever when we're recording this. Guess, so we went from 43.7 million down to 23.6 million. And if anybody just wanted to hazard a guess at what the Oscar numbers were this last week, 9.8 million. Cut in half, cut in half, cut in half. Yeah. Now people are, are all going, I wonder why the viewership keeps going down. Right. Right? And they well, think it's the show, by the way. Yeah, sure. They think it's the format or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many movies did you see this year that you think you'll genuinely be kids will have posters of in their, in their rooms in 10 years. How many, how many movies did you see this year that will haunt you like a ghost because it was so profound, right? It says, I don't want to start any dumb shit, you know? But what I'm saying yeah. is, is you go, okay, would you rather study the stuff that can't even bring in 10 million viewers? Can't even bring in 10 million viewers during a pandemic. Because ultimately what I think is happening is a bunch of artists, talking about how great they are as artists and they've completely forgotten the audience because Mm -hmm. the audience aren't being moved. Right. We know that box office keeps going down. Viewers keep going down. Right. Right. You want to know the height of people watching movies. It was a long, long time ago. Right. When people were actually buying tickets and going to the theater. And so ultimately you got to go like, okay, let's just talk about success. If you want to be successful, do you want to be studying the stuff that is happening right now? That again, can't even get, Ten nine point can we get nine point five million people to watch? It used to be the biggest night of the year for movies. No one gives a shit. Or if you want to be successful, would you go back to when you actually knew how to connect with an audience? Just, just I'm just saying from a business perspective, right, right, yeah. So whatever's happening right now, if you look at those numbers and say this is working, strictly from a business perspective, you've got to reevaluate your thesis. <laughs> right. So then you go, I'm going to walk you through some of the most Profound movies that were ever made That blew the audience's minds Right I mean most of the movies you talk about People are We're talking about Psycho It's like somebody In Hitchcock's family or otherwise Got a check this year From that movie still Right Right There's something about it that works E.T. People are still getting paid off of E.T. Right Wizard of Oz I have no idea how much money It'll make this year Whatever Think about the long tails on these things If you want to get really good And connect with audiences And make something meaningful Why don't you study that stuff? Yeah. But, but nobody acknowledges that. What they say instead is, Brian, I want you to use examples, recent examples, which probably means examples from this year. And ultimately, what I think most of them mean is I want you to tell me that the stuff I like is great. They're That's waiting for you to pull up a movie that they've seen and they go, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> and they're waiting for you to go like, oh, well, you've got great taste because you loved Paper Lunch or some, I don't even know, I'm making up stuff, whatever. Paper At least that's how it, it. feels. <laughs> I, haven't, I didn't even know that's a real movie. No, it's but not. Like, okay, <laughs> there you go. So so, so, all I'm saying, it feels like, because I've heard you have this, com- we've had this conversation behind the scenes for years. Yeah. I'll be like, how was the teaching thing? You'll be like, it was great. I got voted the highest ranked teacher out of the entire conference. And i be like, oh, cool. And you're like, but I did get the one piece of feedback and it's always the same. Yeah. Show new clips, show new clips. Yeah. And I I just think there's something here. It's bigger than that question. I think there's something culturally that's happening right here now where we don't honor the past. Like there's something that's happening that's bigger than that question because it's happening across all these different huge studios and companies and places you teach. And so I'm trying to drill down on why does this question keep coming up? Because I think it tells us something about how people learn or how they want to learn.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're right that people like the idea of being validated. I think that that's true. You know, when I was a kid, they would show us like on TV or whatever, on a kid's show, they would show us old movies, like like old movies from the 30s. This is in the 70s, but they would show us old movies from the 30s. And now we're talking about movies that were in black and white, um, sometimes silent. They would show old movies, movies that were old when my... Parents were kids, like old movies, you know? Yeah. And we didn't know the difference. But what started to happen was I think they started making things and marketing things to um, people who were um, – they they started marketing just to a certain group. Like, hey, you were a kid born now. Here's something just for you. Oh, and yeah. So, you know what I mean?
1: Demographics and geographics, all that kind yeah. of stuff.
0: Yeah. And so they started thinking like that. And so what happened was – that other stuff fell away and became irrelevant to them. Well, that yeah. wasn't made. Yeah. Once
1: we got segmentation and we could actually get hard data on who's watching, yeah. 100%. I mean, that's
0: where He-Man came from, all that stuff. Often that stuff has no heart because it was, it's a, it was made by a machine, kind of. Right? So mm-hmm. it has no heart. Um, I go back again to Louis B. Mayer, who ran MGM at the height of its powers, he was the mogul that ran it, and he said, if I read a script and I cry, I make the movie. Yeah. That was it. He trusted his own feelings. He's like, well, I'm human. The audience is also human. They would probably respond the way I respond. And he was right. It was the biggest studio at the height of Hollywood. MGM was the biggest studio. So, um, and the most successful. So that's gone. Well, what do the numbers say? Louis V. Mayer wouldn't know what to do with that information. He would have been, you know, it wouldn't make any sense to him. And so I think we're taking, we're trying to remove the human element out of the creative process, (laughs) right? Um, I feel like we've we've we have removed the
1: audience. Oh yeah, out of the process. Like you said before, then when Billy Wilder says that an individual in the audience might be a moron, but the audience collectively is a genius, right? Is he had a quote something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, When I hear people like. Again, because it's Oscar season, I'm listening, you know, you hear all this stuff and it's people, all they do is talk about themselves. They're not thinking about the audience. They don't talk about the audience. It's true. Right. And you know what? And then you wonder why the audience doesn't show
0: up. Right. They don't say audience. I tell people all the time. I'm like, read an interview. Fine. Pick anybody. Read an interview with a modern filmmaker and listen, watch or listen or read whatever how often they say I and how little they say audience. They almost never say audience, almost never. But if you read an old Hitchcock interview, he talks about the audience all the time. Well, the audience, this, the audience will feel this. The audience should be thinking this. I want to do this for the audience. They talk about the audience because that's who they're making it for. Now it's, I'm making it for me. And I guess if other people like it, good for them. Like, really, that's the way you're working instead Mm -hmm. of, because then it takes out the idea that you have an obligation to communicate with your audience which is actually one of the reasons I don't use modern stuff is because I find there is a lack of communication.
1: Literally, somebody told me about a movie that won an Oscar this year. They said, oh, you got to see this movie. Have you seen it? I said, I haven't seen it yet. And they go, well, before you watch it, you have to know this. And they told me about how the director approached the work and how they did this certain thing and that certain thing. And I was like, I don't care about any of that. Right. I don't care that they shot it up like while they're standing on their head. I don't care that they only shot on Wednesday mornings between six and seven in the morning. Right. All I care about is, is it good? Yeah. And it's just funny because even when people are recommending stuff to you, they have to preface it. Right. Right. Now, it's not very good, but wait do you see this one scene between the mom and the <laughs> right. butcher or whatever. Like, okay. I, yeah. it, it, that's how bad it's gotten. Where You can't just be like, watch this movie. It's dynamite. Yeah. Right. But I've been having people over to the house and everybody's getting vaccinated. And i and we do movie nights and I I'll show I usually I'll show I'll show uh pieces of um Mary Poppins and talk about it structurally because there's insane. It's insane. And then I'll show a bunch of Zalian stuff. So I'll show I'll show Awakenings, which is one of my favorite films, and then I'll show searching for Bobby Fisher stuff. I'll thin slice it and help people see kind of like you see how he's setting there's I mean, searching for Bobby Fisher, man, like you talk about it a lot, but you, you can't talk too much about this movie. <laughs> no, like, you can't. The work, the concentration, the, it, he makes it look effortless. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Once you can see what he's doing, yeah. my God, the work in that movie is unbelievable. It's like ballet or something.
0: Yeah. It's like this transcendent thing. You see me when I show, there's a clip I show in my classes and nine out of 10 times, the scene will bring me to tears. Yeah, it's insane, and it's not because of the content. It's because of the the, the craft. It's because it, the craftsmanship is. It's open. unbelievable. Yeah,
1: and what was that? Was that 93? 92, 93? 93, Yeah. Okay, so my question is this: Is that recent? Is that by the way? too old?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know.
1: know. I don't know what that means. So, so Hank has this project. He's in like uh, in his in middle school. They're like this TV production thing or whatever. And he has to write a short script. It's actually really fun working him on this stuff. He has to write a short script about, about something amazing. And I was like, and he can't have any dialogue. It's got to all be visual. Oh. It's like, okay, cool. I was like, guess what, Hank? Do you know who Buster Keaton is? He's like, no. I go, come on, man. And I <laughs> sat down. And I showed him a bunch of Buster Keaton stuff. Uh huh. I didn't tell him it was from 1926. Because it didn't matter. Right. Right. And he was watching it and he was like, Wow, did he really do that? I'm like, yeah, he really did that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he's laughing and stuff like that. And you're sitting going, like, okay, I could when he's got to work on a script, I'm trying to put stuff in his head. Like, you got to know Buster Keaton is if you want to know, like, and trying to show him stuff, right? Yeah. I actually showed him in and of itself, also because I was like, I'm going to show you some magic. Look at how Buster Keaton made magic. Look how Derek Tagario made it. Like, I'm trying to show him these things, right? So he yeah. can write a two page treatment for middle school, <laughs> right? But but I'm sitting here going, like, man, I I know I have a window with him. Right. Because at some point, it feels like he's going to hit a point where he's too smart for people that are older than him. Right. Like he'll be, and I'm worried that'll happen. I'm worried that he's going to, I don't know, whatever that age is, 16, where he's like, when was this made? Oh, is this in black and white? Or whatever. And all of a sudden, all the wisdom of the past is no longer accessible. It's behind this locked door of nothingness that just says, I don't know, not current. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And if you take anything else, take anything else, medicine, architecture painting and you go, we're going to talk about Rembrandt. Can you show me uh, no, thanks. I don't want to hear about Rembrandt. Can you show me some examples of a painter that's recent? Right. And you're like, not that as good with light as Rembrandt. Right. It, I, it, this only works in this industry. It's the funniest thing. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Everybody else knows they owe something to the past. Right. Every architect knows it. Every illustrator knows it. Right. Um, actually fewer illustrators know it than used to, uh, but, but um, animators know it, you know, everybody else knows it, but there's something about particularly live action stuff. Um, you know, it's funny because the animated stuff doesn't age the same way. So people don't think of Bambi as an old movie, but it's an old movie, right? <laughs> like it's an, they just think of it yeah. as Bambi. In fact, it's the opposite. You're in awe of it. Yeah.
1: Right? Because you're like, while they were doing this with that computer, it's like, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I mean, there's some stuff in Pinocchio where I'm like, somebody saw oh that. that. Yeah, they see, forget it. about it. If you know what you're looking at, you're more impressed, not less impressed.
1: Like, well, what they, if, if Here's the thing. Okay, let's just take the love of film out of it and wanting to be great at your craft. You know what's the ultimate like, cheat code for being great at this stuff? Going backwards. Yep. Because it's already being sifted through. Right. Right? Yeah. Like it's already been sifted through. And so mm-hmm. we were saying it a minute ago before the show, it's like, you can spend, like, let's say you took a week and went up to a cabin. In that week, you can watch almost every one of, you can watch probably all of the greatest films to come out of the fifties, all of them. Yeah. And you can, you can watch in a decade's worth of the best of the best stuff. You're right. Or you can binge watch, binge watch a new TV show. Yeah, And you can take the wisdom from some of the greatest storytellers ever, and you can get it all in your head in the same amount of time as that new show that's been streaming. Right. It's the difference is like, that's how a practitioner thinks, right? I only have so many hours. I need to be the best I can at this stuff.
0: This is my job, right? It's like, great. Here's the cheat. Go back. I was just talking about this with somebody about Netflix, Netflix is really interesting because of what Netflix was, was they were an exhibitor, right? Netflix, they showed movies and they leased them or whatever from, from the people who owned the rights to them, who made them, whatever. Yeah. This is
1: after the DVD piece. Yeah. Yeah. When they started streaming. Yeah.
0: Before. Yeah. Yeah. But so they were, but even when they were doing the DVDs, they were stream. they were, they, they were an exhibitor, essentially. They, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right? Um, and then they, they decided, hey, we should produce our own stuff.
1: Well, yeah, because of the stars deal, they started losing those big archives.
0: Right. Yeah. But here's what's yeah. interesting. Had they looked at the history of film, they would have seen that that was going to happen way ahead of time. Because the way film worked was this. It was the same thing. So let's say you opened a theater, Jesse's Theater, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, 1906 or something. And you're like Jesse's theater. Right. And and you open it up and, um, you had to lease movies from, you know, private, you know, from producers, whoever, you know, who own these movies, who made these movies and you'd lease them and show them. Yeah. The exhibitors did that for a while. And then they said, well, can't we make our own stuff? Then we'll own it. We'll own the stuff. And that's how the studios got started. Yeah. Right. They were exhibitors who decided they needed a studio. And that's exactly what happened with Netflix. And if they had looked at the history, they would have seen that was the way to go. But they didn't have the history available to them. They didn't look at it as far as I know. Um, and so they thought they were being innovative. And all they did was repeat history. But see, that's amazing. So when you, here's the funny thing. If you're
1: in the room with people that are really great at what they do, whether it's business or otherwise, the amount of times they're like, here's a current problem. And then just listen to them. They're like, here's how we should solve this. Wait a second. Do you, does anybody remember um, the Tylenol scare in the eighties? Remember how they handled it in this way? I wonder if we could apply that type of thinking to this
0: current problem. Yep.
1: It's, it's your, it's one of the things, the concepts you talk about, and I just can't wait for your new, your book to come out. Um, When you talk about Land of the Dead, which we'll go into you know, we'll have an entire episode on land of the dead at one point, but you always say that in the land of the dead is where the wisdom is at, Mm -hmm. right? In essence, it's like in the past. I mean, think about it. All the wisdom is back there. So in the future, well, there's no wisdom. The problem is from a marketing perspective, they say you're either selling, everybody's either selling the past or the future because the past hasn't happened yet. So it, it seems perfect. Right. And the future you've forgotten about how it actually was. So like or a company is bo- selling the- you actually- right, yeah, same yeah. thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so Coca-Cola is selling the past Pepsi selling the future type of a thing. Right. You're either selling the past or the future. The funny thing is the wisdom that will actually get you out of jams is all going to be in the past. Yep. Because what is there to pull from something that hasn't happened yet? <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And so if you don't understand the past, you don't understand the context. It's, it's, it's almost like if, if you if I came out of your house and I was trying to fix something and you're like, Well, what do you use? And I said, It's a hammer. And you're like, Well, when was that invented? Is said, right. A hammer? Right. And you're like, Yeah, that seems like old technology. Don't bring that in the house. And I'd be like, yeah. Well, I don't know what am I supposed to do? Like invent yeah. a new tech? like, I don't understand. I'm baffled
0: by it. Um, this idea of newness. The other thing about newness, um, there's something shiny and sparkly and whatever about newness, you know, there's there's something about it that is attractive, almost like a fishing lure, but it's a trap, uh, like a fishing lure. It could be anything, right? It could be, oh, I like that actor. So you think the movie's good. I, you know, I, I like this cinematographer uh, because they did another movie I like that was recent. All these things can trap you into thinking something's better than it is. I think sometimes people like new stuff just because it's new. But they can't really evaluate it. And I find if I use that stuff that uh, people either will hate something because they, they hate that actor, right, or whatever, or they like whatever it is, it's, it's, it, it doesn't do what people think it would do if I were using newer clips. If you believe that right now is the best movies have ever
1: been, then you should adhere to this philosophy. Right. If you look at right now and say, this is the best it's ever been movies have never been better than a hundred percent. I understand why you only want to look at stuff from this year. Yeah. If your answer is not that, then all the wisdom is behind us. The amount of shows out there right now, the amount of movies out there right now, the amount of YouTubers out there right now, the amount of content that's coming at you, it has never been this dense. Fantastic. How often do you personally see something? and you find yourself weeping or laughing so hard you can't handle it, or, or it profoundly changes you in the same way that like a, a Schindler's List or a Shawshank
0: or a Godfather did. I find uh, a lot of the content, not all of it, but I, I find a lot of the content um, superficially good. Um, everything has a lot of money to spend on production value. So the sets look great. The costumes look great. The photography looks great. Um, the, the, they're, they're good at, uh, you know, the seasons are shorter, I think. So that allows, you know, in the old days, they would do 22 shows in a season, 22 24 shows, something like that in a season. Um, but the quality of the shows were better. <laughs> but, but, but I think, I mean, the, the, the writing was better. Um, I think now we have the time to get better performances because you're not on the same kind of schedule and all of that stuff. But, but a lot of it is superficial in the end. what's happening is um, like I said, people say, well, you have to watch a season of this show uh, for anything good to happen. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't understand it. And it doesn't make any sense to me that a principal has a, can get stale can have an exploration mm. date a principle yeah stories work like this well sure that worked a thousand years ago and 500 years ago and 50 years ago and 25 yeah. years ago but does it work now like well, i don't understand what you're saying to me right it's a principle they don't know how to look past the present time puts a layer of dust over everything so What that means is, here's what I mean, like, um, sound quality is different now than it was in the 1930s, right, when it was new. Um, So now we have crisper sound, clearer sound, um, stereo, you know, things are different. Like, we've all seen uh, fire hydrants. They haven't changed the design of fire hydrants in I don't know how long. But if they started changing them, all of a sudden, fire hydrants would look old-fashioned to us. And that's mm-hmm. the layer of dust that happens, right? So when you go from black and white to color, then the, there's a layer of dust on the black and white for the newer audience. Um, when acting styles change, I wouldn't call them better or worse, it's just the styles change. And when those styles change, then the old acting style has a layer of dust on it. It's, and it's harder for people to see, they have to remove those layers in order to see clearly yeah right but once they can do that it's as if you polished it up and you go well this is even shinier than the new thing it's like you told the story one time of when
1: you went to like an, uh you were speaking at like an architect's convention or something oh, and yes. they took you to like a like a frank lloyd Wright or something like we that went like, to a, like frank a, lloyd a chapel White house
0: yeah and we went to a um, there's a famous church that was in arkansas And uh, they took me to this uh, famous church um, because people just go there to look at the architecture. Um, And so that's what we were there for. But I had given a lecture and they said, hey, we're gonna go to this church, you should come with us. So we got on a bus and we went there. You know, They brought me there because of my expertise, but then I was standing next to people who had their own expertise, right? So I'm like, I'm standing next to architects looking at a piece of architecture that's supposed to be a significant piece of architecture. I should ask them what they're seeing that I can't see. And that's what I did. I and mean, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And they, they pointed some things out to me that I couldn't see before, but they made perfect sense and they actually fell right in line with my own craft, right? So um, there, was a, there was a shape um, that was repeated over and over again throughout the architecture, as if that was the armature, the theme, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so this is the theme, and then these are the variations on that theme. The same way you would write a song, the same way you would construct a story. You know, I'm always looking for how crafts cross and are the same. Like, we're in the Venn diagram. What's the same about all crafts, right? Yeah, that's right. um, Rules might change, but principles very rarely change. Right. 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 And styles might change, but principles don't change. But style is the thing that people...
1: Well, Brewster's
0: Millions worked... In the twenties,
1: mm-hmm. right? Like it's funny. Like you start. W- most people they think of like a lot of their favorite movies, like Father of the Bride or something. It's like, which one are you talking about? Right. You, are you talking about the? You know, like which one are you talking about? You talking about Steve Martin? Or are you right. talking about Tracy? Like who are we talking about? Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand. It's like it worked back then. It's going to work again. Well,
0: uh, look at A Star Is Born. Is the is right? Oh my god! Sure. Yeah. But people don't go watch the first one. It's unbelievable. The first one is still the best one, (laughs) right? The first one from the 30s is the best one. If you watch that movie, watch
1: how many times grandma and the manager nail the armature. It's something like, hey, your dreams are going to cost you everything. It's something like that. And they say it over and over
0: and over again. (laughs) They're like, nail it. If you want to learn from the best, then go back to the beginning of it.
1: And the first two... At least those are the ones I'm aware of other than the new one. The first two had a first act. The new one doesn't. The new one has no first no, act. No, there's no first act in the new one. But nope. anyways, because whatever. I, I but mean, it's think, new. Like it's <laughs> right,
0: right, right. So if I wanted to show a clip from a star was born, should I use the new one that has no first act? Why would I do that? They used to not be afraid to communicate. They weren't afraid to tell a story. People ask me about children's movies a lot uh, and say, well, why are they so much better at telling stories? It's because there's no stigma attached to being a clear communicator when you're talking to children. But now we have a stigma attached to being a clear communicator when you're talking to adults. The, the idea, and this is a strange thing because I've talked about it before, but we've moved out of the importance of how we feel about things, and it's all about how we think about things, right? So the thing about not being able to figure out what a story's about is all about your head. Oh, I'm using my brain. My brain is working. My brain is more important than how I feel. I think I'm having feelings, but I'm having thoughts, unless it's shock, right? So people feel shocks. They killed that person I cared about, right? So you may feel some shock, but you don't have the real deep emotions you you watch people on screen have those emotions, and you go, "Oh, that that would be sad if that happened." But that's intellectual. You're not having the sad experience. You are oh my god. Yeah. watching yeah. somebody have it right. Um, that's the that's sort of what's masquerading for drama now.
1: Like when I was showing, I was showing people because um, most people haven't seen *Searching for Bobby Fischer* either, and I told you I've been having. Friends over and I'll be like I'm going to walk you through these clips and Because once you start to see that How Zalian was building this Right it's So good you, this you'll, does And it, so all of a sudden it's like it opens on black and white And you see all these clips of Bobby Fischer It's all being narrated by Josh, brilliant So you're going to the black and white versus yeah, the Josh contrast Josh is the right? main
0: character, Bobby Fischer For people who don't He's know He's like a clone character yeah. right? Yeah. Bobby Fischer was yeah. the big chess Most yeah. famous chess player <laughs> Probably mm-hmm. ever Right, right, yeah. right yeah anyway. it's unbelievable
1: the, the yeah. opening and so you have josh explaining it. it is like kid voice but beautiful and then it opens on the first thing you see is a sword and on the sword it pans up it's going left to right it pans up and it says josh on the sword and they see a bunch of little kids and they all have swords and then it's like oh little kids thing and they're all hiding from something and then all of a sudden you pan to the right and you see dad there and dad says like boo and all the kids scatter they're playing Hide and go seek or something, but what then all of a sudden, but Josh is watching what's beyond the birthday party. Josh is watching people playing chess, right? And he's memorizing. He's learning. It's bri- it's brilliant. And yes. then and then all of a sudden, they introduce one of these people. It's like uh it's almost a clone for the dad, or it's another dad, more Trispring's character. And Josh finds a little black knight. I actually have it. I don't have the real one, but I have the exact same one that Josh has. He has this knight. Yep. Right. And Lawrence Fishburne comes up and Lawrence Fishburne has a baseball and he's pretty much like, I'll trade you the base. By the way, he doesn't say, you don't need to say anything because alien is so on his game. And <laughs> he's like, you pick Josh, what do you want? Right. And it's raining. And then it cuts to a close-up, a medium close-up of like oil getting dropped into something. And then you pan down and you see it's oil getting put into a mitt and dad is helping his son. It's so tight, right? And so dad is helping his son you know, put together this new mitt. Well, what do you think Josh got for his birthday? Oh, he got this new mitt. And then his dad goes, oh, I forgot to get a ball. Well, you need to put a ball in here in order for the mitt to like, you know, groove right or whatever, right? I'm not a baseball guy, whatever. And then Josh goes, he starts digging under his bed. And at that point you're going, oh, Josh for sure took the baseball. And then he comes out and he has a snow globe and he takes apart a snow globe and he puts it in there and he shuts the mitt and he wraps it up and he's like, all right, Josh. So all of a sudden right there you go, what do you think the dad's going to want his son to do? Right. What do, you think yep. that, what do you think the hopes and dreams of the dad is for his son? Yep. It's about a father and a son. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, dad leaves, and all of a sudden you see Josh takes out the night and it cuts Lawrence Fishburne in the park who's playing at the baseball. That's the opener. Yeah. It, it, everything. You couldn't take one thing out of this picture, right? Yeah.
0: It, it, yeah. That, that film is so well constructed. You know, there's a scene in there where Josh, his, you know, his dad is a, um, is a, like a sports writer, sports writer, baseball. Yes. Yeah. sports yeah, yeah. writer. And he goes to visit his dad at work and they're in the box, the press box at the baseball game. And, uh, you know, everybody knows Josh cause he's the, you know, the son of the guy. So they're like, Hey Josh, how's it going? <laughs> Whatever. And, uh, so one of the guys says, so, uh, you're going to be a writer, like your old man, or are you going to play? Like, which thing are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to play. Which is great. He's not going to play base- baseball, but what he, he, his dad writes about stuff and Josh mm-hmm. does stuff. Oh yeah. He's going to be it's a second really baseman no, for the It's really a. great. Like it's yeah. amazing. Um, nothing's wasted uh, and so much is wasted now. I think if you don't know how to look for it, you can't see it, but there's a lot of wasted energy and wasted time. Uh, now, um, oh my god they do this
1: thing all right let's just geek card on this shit for anybody who wants to watch it <laughs> they do this thing where josh when josh sees the guys playing playing chess at the park he's zalen's using all these tight shots um to show you what he's looking at you always know whose perspective it is yep right if you're ever in a movie and you don't know somebody's perspective that's a director who's not a control yep right okay so josh all josh is doing is he's learning you're seeing chess moves blah, blah, blah. by the way watch for how he uses queens because it's set up at the very jump yeah. boom, boom boom he's watching this the clock blah 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 then all of a sudden we come back to the park because they come outside after school and by the way all of this matters because he set it up right you saw him come out of school at the very beginning and mom and him go for a walk and they end up going through the park and he sees this chess thing mom gets him out of there whatever Josh, the next day, you want to go eat some pizza? He's like, not really. Let's go watch the guys play chess at the park. And mom's kind of like, I don't know. Cut to the park. The first thing you see is like a spider tattoo. And then you see like, you see like guys smoking. And then you see like a sign that says like no drugs or something like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden you go, well, whose perspective is it now? And I'll like pause the movie when I'm watching it. With people I was like, whose perspective is it now? And then the, you know, my wife's like the mom's perspective. She's, this is what she's seeing. It's like, exactly. Yeah. Now you're watching it from the mom's perspective, yep. right? And yep. then all of a sudden, and it's tight, 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 tight. Then mom's go, mom goes home, yada, yada, there's this whole thing. Um, but all of a sudden, when mom starts getting comfortable with it, she brings him back to play again. Guess what? Now it's all medium shots. You know why? Because she can breathe. Yep. So now the audience can breathe. It's like, yep. oh, this isn't a scary place. Right. It's just a bunch of guys playing chess or whatever, right? Right. And then he sits down and he plays chess with that guy for five bucks. Right. And he almost beats him but he loses. And what he says when he loses is he goes, good game, right? No big deal to Josh. And then that night, Josh asks, uh, Lauren Trishburn's mom, when he's at bed, he asks and goes, well, you know, where does uh, he where, sleep?
0: Where does he sleep? Yeah.
1: And she goes, well, I don't, I don't have any idea where he sleeps. And he's like, well, maybe, you know, I could sleep on the top bunk and he could sleep down here. And she, she looks at him and she goes, Josh, you have a good heart. And that's what's most important.
0: I like that scene a lot. Yeah. But one of the things there is that she doesn't say, no, he can't sleep here. That's right. Right? This is another thing that when people say dialogue is good, what they mean is they notice it. Yeah. Which is almost never good, by the way. But but they, they notice it. And what they are paying attention to is what's underneath the words. So the mom has to say, no, your friend can't sleep here. He, he, I don't know where he lives. I don't know anything about this guy. He's not going to mm-hmm. sleep in your bunk, right? Most writers now write that, right? Yeah. She, she didn't say that. She, she, because there's a pause before she, she has to think about, consider how she's going to answer this question. And instead of saying no, she just acknowledges that her son has a good heart, right? Like you say. You have a good heart, Josh. That's what's important. And that's Mm -hmm. where they leave it. But that's the thing. The mom protects the whole piece. That's right. Josh is good. She is the
1: protective of his heart. Yeah. And I paused it there. And I asked everybody, I was like, so Bobby Fischer, who we opened on with, they cemented that, what do you think is the most important thing for Bobby Fischer? And I was watching with some people and they're like that he wins. And I go, guess what? This movie is going to prove. What do you think this movie is going to try to prove? And they're going to say and then the, the person I was watching with said that the, what's more important than winning is having a good heart. I was like, let's see if they do it. Yep. Yeah. And then I hit play and then everybody huh. just gets their minds blown. Right. I mean, right out of the gate, they even show Josh goes home and he takes all of his knights and he builds this, he builds a chessboard in a castle. Yep. The entire end of the film takes place at a castle. Like, like, wit- And remember, he's the good knight. He's this right. good black knight. Guess what? Yeah. Josh is wearing a black t-shirt and the other kid's wearing a white t-shirt. Like everything. Zalean is like, I am I am trying to <laughs> communicate something. Right. Pay attention. Now, here's the funny thing. You don't need to know any of this. I also looked it up. And guess what? That came out and you said 92?
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> 90, right? 90, 93, I think, maybe. 93. Okay. Because yeah. Schindler's the same year, right? So... Okay, it still
1: has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So, you know what that means? It means you don't have to see, it. this is all invisible. He is so good at his job, it's all invisible. Uh, uh, Penny Marshall is so good at her job, this is all invisible. You know, all of these things we're talking about are invisible, but you don't have to see them. People can just watch it and go, wow. Yeah. Wow. There's nothing showy about any of it. It's just someone at the top of their game. You're just moved. Nobody had to preface it and say, just so you know, Jesse, he only shot this movie with extras that he met that day, or (laughs) you didn't have to give me any context. Right. I could just sit down and watch it for what it was. I don't know who's needs to know who Steve's alien is. I don't need to know uh, anything about chess. I don't need to know. I don't need to know anything. Yep. It is a self-contained thing, just like a story that somebody told you over dinner.
0: Well, like, why do people still perform Shakespeare? Not just because it's Shakespeare. Right. Because Shakespeare has something to tell us. Mm -hmm. He was telling us stories that had something for us. It doesn't get old. Right. So I don't understand if something has relevance, how it could get old. And so I don't understand why people can't see that. And I, and, you know, I am accused and, and maybe uh, maybe I earned some of that, but um, of of being kind of a curmudgeon and like, oh, these young kids and they don't, blah 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 you know, um, and that's fine. Uh, but I challenge them to ask themselves if some of what I say isn't true. Challenge yourself. You can challenge me if you want, but that means you're still not learning. Right? <laughs> challenge yourself. Do I dismiss stuff because I'm black and white? Yeah, I kind of do. Might, there might be gold I'm missing. Yeah, maybe. If you don't care about that, that's okay. But understand, that's. for instance, so I have this group, small group of, of uh, filmmakers, young filmmakers, writers, storytellers. Um, and um, it's like an Invisible Inc. film group, um, sort of self-selected from students I had and stuff. And every week I give them a film to watch and I tell them what to watch for. And uh, then on Saturdays, sometimes Sundays, they get together over Zoom. They're in different parts of the country and they, they get together over Zoom and they discuss these movies and what they saw and how they're working. And a lot of these films are old. That layer of dust has fallen away. Now they can look at a movie from the 30s and, and see how beautifully it's made. And then the, I might have a film from the eighties. I might have a film from the nineties. I might have a film that's more recent than that, um like uh, the King's Speech we did. you know, I might have stuff that' sure, yeah but but they don't they no longer see this big separation um like they just watched some like it Hot, and they couldn't have been more blown away, yeah, yeah, right? for sure, yeah, it, I mean, my God, you know, but they yeah. watched the apartment, they couldn't have been more blown away, right. So they, they now can see all that dust has been removed. And so now they can just see the craft of it and they are amazed by it. It Mm -hmm. also makes it harder for you to accept the new stuff. Uh, Somebody said to me recently that they are just now like, Oh, I've seen enough of these old movies you're talking about. I'm starting to see how good they are. And I'm starting to see the deficiencies that you see. Um, Because the thing is, once you start getting that steady diet of really good stuff, you can, You don't have to listen to me. You will start to be able to see the difference or feel the difference. Yeah, this isn't as good. Why didn't they set that up this way? You know, those kinds of things. There's some stuff um, in Quiz Show. Now, the movie Quiz Show is really interesting because uh, it's also based on a real event And it's a minor, it's a minor event really, right? It's about rigged quiz shows in the fifties. They found a way to make it about the characters. They found a way to make it important to those characters. So Charles Van Dorn, um, it is, um, he's, was a rich guy from this sort of well-known family, uh, literary sort of family, all write books and poems and, you know, and, um, Anyway, he gets caught up in this cheating scandal. Uh, all this really happened, but there's a really great scene where he he goes to uh, audition. Uh, he wants to be on one of these shows and and these two guys are like, "Oh my god, he's got to be on our show and they 're talking to him, and they 're just impressed because he's everything they want like he's this this sort of knight of a person in the mind of a 1950s audience. Like he's perfect. He's blonde and he's blue eyed and he's white and he's tall and he's, you know, good looking. He's all the things. And he's from this family with this name, like he's perfect. Um, And so they're talking to him. Um, And you have to understand his dad is a, is a professor. Charles Van Doren's dad is a a professor and he wants his son to take over. uh, And, and, you know, he's like carry this legacy on. Paul Ignacio, if that's how you pronounce his name, was the screenwriter on the movie. And I don't know how we found this, but so they're interviewing Charles Van Dorn and they're like, oh, so what did you, what do you th-? He goes, you know, there, wh- what do you want to do and what have you done? And he says, well, you know, I did write this this book uh, uh about uh, this novel about uh, a patricide. And they'd like, oh, we don't, what it, yeah. and he's like, oh, it's about a, a son who kills his father. Well, that's not random. Yeah that's not random because that's essentially what happens when his father finds out about this scandal. Yeah. Um, and to, to to take a real thing and go, that's what I need to make this about right? is kind of amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's really, really good. And there's also a a great scene, um, where, uh, Charles Van Doren is confessing to his father, uh, that he's got caught up, that he got caught up in this scandal, and he goes to vid- his visit his father at work. His father is going to retire, so Charles Van Doren comes to see it's The end of a class, and they were the students were reading Don Quixote, and they and they say to the dad, they say, and the dad is on this stage on a platform, almost like he's like a king. He's he's raised up, and uh, these kids are talking to him about Don Quixote and one of them says, I don't understand how this guy, this old guy um, thinks he's a knight, you know, when he's, you know, with these windmills. And hmm. the, the, uh, the dad says to these students, he says, it means if you want to be a knight, act like a knight. Then they right. leave. And then, and then uh, Charles Van Dorn is in the audience of the class and the dad is sort of in this king position. In fact, when the kids leave, he says, uh, I shall miss them because he's gonna retire soon, right? So he's like, Charlie, you're gonna take over. I'm advocating yeah. the throne, the throne is gonna be yours, right? But if you wanna be a knight, act like a knight, well, Charlie hasn't acted like a knight. So that's a great that's way right.
1: to see that scene. And to have a dad who has such a strong moral compass.
0: Yeah. It's like, you need all
1: of it in order all to be able it. to
0: tell the difference. All of it. And then there's a great scene in, uh, where they're having a, like a picnic where they play this game because they're all very literate people and they play this game where they quote great literature, Shakespeare, whatever, they quote these things. And uh, all the quotes are completely relevant to the armature of this piece. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. And I can't think of anything recent that does that. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> if I'm trying to show an example of that, that's what I would use. Um, and I don't care if it came out yesterday, or twenty years ago, or forty years ago, or fifty years ago, I or two thousand I mean. years ago. Yeah, exactly. Whenever Aesop, know. like, like, yeah. it's
1: what you should care about. Go into the past, find as much wisdom as you can, so you can make something wonderful for the rest of us today.
0: And if you do that well enough, it will last forever. Well, because here's the funny thing:
1: all those people I've been talking about. Penny Marshall's been dead now for a little while, and Mm -hmm. she left us something wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. With awakenings, in my opinion, right? Uh, But it's it's amazing that you know the team. uh, I mean, Dick Van Dyke still around and Shirley Andrews, which is amazing. Yeah, but like when they made Mary Poppins, they made something that was a gift. You don't ever need to know who those people are. It doesn't really matter. It's just they they performed at a high enough level to make something wonderful.
0: You get a meal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When you see something really great, when you watch one of these really great things, you feel full. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's different. Um, you know, I, you know me, I, I don't think binge watching is a sign that something is good. I think it's exactly the opposite. Um, it's potato chips. It's empty calories, and you keep eating to try to get satisfied, but you can never quite get satisfied. Uh, you haven't had a meal and you never feel like you've had one. They are prolonging your reward and stringing you along because you are trying to get resolution and they'll never give it to you. So, well, maybe the next one, because that ended with a cliffhanger. Now I got to find out what's happened. The funny thing
1: is if somebody did that to you in real life, every time you went out to dinner with them, they kept on going the story and they never told you the ending. Just... And they're like, hey, I'll tell you the ending if you take me out to dinner again next week. And you're like, dude, I, how would you feel about that person? Again, benchmark of this stuff against against real life. If I said, oh, uh, this, her name's Leah. Her name's Leah. And she's 90 years old. And you go like, why would we want to talk to her? She's old. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, man, life is going to be hard. Because she could, she could give you some wisdom. In five minutes, that could save you five years of pain. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's all right there. And it's like, that's why I interview all of my grandparents, even just with audio. I mean, sometimes I'll take one of the cameras. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, f- but like, it, get those stories. They're important. Yeah. Right. Um, there's magic there. And so I know that that's the story you always get. And I know that that's the question people always ask. But at least for the people that listen to our show, it's like, go watch, go see what, go see what Zaline did with Searching for Bobby Fisher, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Right. Like, like uh, that's not that old. I mean, hopefully I don't know if the nineties are off limits or not. I don't know how this whole thing works, but like I mean, exactly if the nineties so are off limits. Uh, yeah. Go watch that. And if you like Steve's alien stuff, then you should check out some of the other stuff he's done. And then maybe it'll start pulling you back in the past, right? Study whoever your masters loved, right? Yeah. If, if you love Scorsese, study what Scorsese loved. If you love Billy Wilder, study the guy that Billy studied, Is right? It a it'll all make sense.
0: Once you start doing that. As a matter of fact, if you watch Scorsese or Spielberg and the other end, because they make very different kinds of movies in a way, they will all talk about classic stuff.
1: They will. Oh oh yeah, Coppola. All the yeah, the The whole whole time time, they're talking, all they're doing is talking about old stuff.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh my god, there's a wonderful scene in this movie where blah 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 happens, blah blah blah, and I totally took that for this. And (laughs) like, they'll just tell you where they took stuff from. Right. Yeah, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. They're like, oh, yeah, that's this shot from here. That's this shot from here. You know, like, I mean, Scorsese has this library in his head. Unbelievable. Every shot of every movie. Right. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And and he knows it all. Um, and he doesn't make a judgment about when it was done. Right. <laughs> it it was oh, effective, yeah. you know. And the same thing with, with uh with Spielberg, you know, like watching the searchers before he starts any movie.
1: If you haven't seen Scorsese's, is it journey through the American cinema? Yeah. Serious. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. With that guy, yeah, there's so much gold and he can say he can show you. Yep. It's honestly, it's all just like, if you do this for a living, it's like, I'm stuck on this thing. If I can't solve this problem, my show won't get picked up. I'll lose my job, whatever the situation is. And then all of a sudden it's like, you go listen to somebody like Scorsese and he's like, Here's how John Ford would have solved it or, or whatever. Here's how Bogdanovich solved it in paper moon. Or here's how, and you can just see, and you're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Cause you can just take that sucker and apply it and it'll get you out of a jam.
0: I hope that people are able to get something out of this episode. Um, I sometimes feel, um, You know, because sometimes it feels uh, like, oh, it's just a bunch of negativity about the young people. And that's not what I mean to do, but I I am challenging them to entertain the idea that I might be right and that there may be something because of uh, the input that they got growing up versus the input I got growing up um, that is blocking them from seeing the gold that is there for them um and that is then blocking them from being the best version of themselves
1: right? cuz you say all the time you're like you don't have to like the movie but just see the wisdom in it like yeah. you don't have to like you don't have to me like I love wizard of oz it's like you don't have to like but look but watch what's happening yeah see what they're doing because it's it's you need to know how this stuff works you yeah. don't have to say it's one of your favorite movies but at least know at least learn what can you learn from it?
0: Yeah. Because there's a reason why it's worked for a hundred years. Try to figure out that reason. Try to learn that reason. Here's the deal. I'm talking to August Wilson one day and I was talking about Picasso and how I didn't really understand Picasso. I didn't get it. And I, and I don't like to pretend I understand things I don't understand. So I'm supposed to pretend like I understand Picasso, but I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, I'm just not. I can't fake it. I'm not good at faking it. I'm not going to fake it. But enough people I respect like Picasso. So I go, well, I must be missing something. There's something that isn't connecting for me. I don't get it. I was talking to August Wilson one day about this. And he said, well, have you ever watched him draw? Have you ever watched him paint? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And he goes, well, you should do that. So I went on YouTube and I watched him. And I kept watching and I started to see things um, that I didn't see before. Um, again, I wasn't forcing it. I was just watching him. And one of the things that I, I saw was that he didn't make any mistakes. And what I mean by that is not that he drew a perfect thing and um, like a perfect figure and didn't make any mistakes. I don't mean that. I mean, it's as if there was no barrier between his brain and his, you know, his subconscious and his hand. So he, it just did what it did. And he went with whatever it did. And, and you could see him not thinking. That was what was amazing to me that you could see him just not thinking, going with it. And I was like, that's a really, if you can get to that level of trusting your, your level of craft and your, and your instincts, that's an amazing place to create from. And so that's what I got. But I was working with Glenn Keane on a project. And uh, and I told him this story about August. The next morning, I go in to work with Glenn, and Glenn is watching Picasso on YouTube. And, uh, and Which is all you need to know about Glenn Keane. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, talk about a master
1: who also learns from masters. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. here's my thing. What if Glenn said, I'm not going to watch that Picasso video, Brian, it's old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then he wouldn't be Glenn Keith. Right. So what was interesting to me uh, was what Glenn saw was different. You can see him. He's painting on a piece of glass. And so the camera is on the other side of the glass. So you can watch him and you can watch and see what he's painting. The bull? I think it's a bull yeah, yeah, that he's mm-hmm. painting. And Glenn said... Oh, look where he's looking. I'm like, what? He goes, look where he's looking. I'm like, oh. He goes, he's looking in the middle. And I'm like, what? And he goes, well, you know, Frank and Ollie, who were really his mentors, Ollie Johnson and Frank Thomas, the legendary Disney animators. Nine old men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they used to say that. Every line had a relationship to another line. So he's like, mm. it's like Picasso can see how this line relates to this line relates to this line relates to this line, to this line. and uh, and that's what Glenn saw, um, wow. which was interesting. Yeah, and so uh, so he wasn't
1: so, watching an individual line; he was watching the whole thing all at once. Yeah,
0: and that's what Glenn noticed when he watched Picasso. But it was interesting that that goes from August to me to Glenn, right? <laughs> right. Um, and all of them saying, none of them going. But Picasso's old, and me knowing, well, August was older than me. August had twenty years on me, so August is twenty years older than me. Why yes. wouldn't I? One listen of the
1: greatest playwrights <laughs> in American history.
0: Yeah, <laughs> why he's pretty I, accomplished guy. Why wouldn't I listen to him? Why would I say, yeah. yeah, but he's Picasso, and I don't get it, so forget about it. Right? Why would I do that? That I would only cheat myself. Over and over again, that's what the people do who know what they're doing is they go, like Glenn did, they go, I'm going to take that advice. I'm going to do that and not write it off and dismiss it, which I find people do far too easily now. They'll write something off or dismiss it. Um, and often just because it's old. And old is a weird thing because it, old changes as you get older. <laughs> Your definition of old is different. So, yeah. um, so it, it, it almost has no definition.
1: So, I guess the big idea of this, then, in light of what you said, is don't cheat yourself.
0: Yeah. Don't cheat yourself. Learn from the best. Whether, Ooh, or there you go. It doesn't matter. Learn from when the best. Live. Yeah. doesn't matter when they lived. If they're the best, then learn from them. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thanks.
1: Thanks for watching. You're a Storyteller, part of the Co Loop Podcast Network. If you have any questions or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at beliefagency.com.